Act Three of John Gabriel Borkman by Heinrich Ibsen, translated by William Archer. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Act Third, Mrs. Borkman's drawing room. The lamp is still burning on the table beside the sofa in front. The garden room at the back is quite dark. Mrs. Borkman, with the shawl still over her head, enters, in violent agitation, by the hall door, goes up to the window, draws the curtain a little aside, and looks out. Then she seats herself beside the stove, but immediately springs up again, goes to the bell-pull, and rings, stands beside the sofa, and waits a moment. No one comes. Then she rings again, this time more violently. The maid presently enters from the hall. She looks sleepy and out of temper, and appears to have dressed in great haste. What has become of you, Milena? I have rung for you twice. Yes, ma'am, I heard you. And yet you didn't come. I had to put some clothes on first, I suppose. Yes, you must dress yourself properly, and then you must run and fetch my son. Looking at her in astonishment. You want me to fetch Mr. Earhart? Yes. Tell him he must come home to me at once. I want to speak to him. And I'd better go to the bailiffs and call up the coachman. Why? To get him to harness the sledge. The snow's dreadful tonight. Oh, that doesn't matter. Only make haste and go. It's just round the corner. Why, ma'am, you can't call that just round the corner. Of course it is. Don't you know Mr. Hinkle's villa? Oh, indeed. It's there Mr. Earhart is this evening? Why? Where else should he be? Well, I only thought he might be where he usually is. What do you mean? At Mrs. Wilton's, as they call her. Mrs. Wilton's? My son isn't so often there. I've heard say as he's there every day of his life. That's all nonsense, Milena. Go straight to Mr. Hinkle's and try to get hold of him. With a toss of her head. Oh, very well. I'm going. She is on the point of going out by the hall, but just at that moment... The hall door is opened, and Ella Rentheim and Borkman appear on the threshold. Mrs. Borkman staggers a step backwards. What does this mean? The maid, terrified, instinctively folding her hands. Lord, save us! Tell him he must come this instant. Yes, ma'am. Ella Rentheim, and after her Borkman, enter the room. The maid sidles behind them to the door, goes out, and closes it after her. Mrs. Borkman, having recovered her self-control, turns to Ella. What does he want down here in my room? He wants to come to an understanding with you, Gunhild. He has never tried that before. He is going to, this evening. The last time we stood face to face, it was in the court, when I was summoned to give an account. Borkman approaching. And this evening it is I who will give an account of myself. Looking at him. You. Not of what I have done amiss. All the world knows that. Yes, that is true. All the world knows that. But it does not know why I did it, why I had to do it. People do not understand that I had to because I was myself, because I was John Gabriel Borkman, myself and not another. And that is what I will try to explain to you. It is of no use. Temptations and promptings acquit no one. They may acquit one in one's own eyes. Oh, let all that alone. I have thought over that black business of yours enough and to spare. 
i too during those five endless years in my cell and elsewhere i had time to think it over and during the eight years up there in the gallery i have had still more ample time i have retried the whole case by myself time after time i have retried it i have been my own accuser my own defender and my own judge i have been more impartial than any one else could be that i venture to say i have paced up and down the gallery there turning every one of my actions upside down and inside out i have examined them from all sides as unsparingly as pitilessly as any lawyer of them all and the final judgment i have always come to is this the one person i have sinned against is myself and what about me what about your son you and he are included in what i mean when i say myself and what about the hundreds of others then the people you are said to have ruined i had power in my hands and then i felt the irresistible vocation within me the prisoned millions lay all over the country deep in the bowels of the earth calling aloud to me they shrieked to me to free them but no one else heard their cry i alone had ears for it yes to the branding of the name of borkman if the others had had the power do you think they would not have acted exactly as i did no one no one but you would have done it perhaps not but that would have been because they had not my brains and if they had done it it would not have been with my aims in view the act would have been a different act in short i have acquitted myself oh can you say that so confidently borkman borkman nodding acquitted myself on that score but then comes the great crushing self-accusation what is that i have skulked up there and wasted eight precious years of my life the very day i was set free i should have gone forth into the world out into the steel-hard dreamless world of reality i should have begun at the bottom and swung myself up to the heights anew higher than ever before in spite of all that lay between oh it would have been the same thing over again take my word for that it is true that nothing new happens but what has happened does not repeat itself either it is the eye that transforms the action the eye born anew transforms the old action but you do not understand this no i do not understand it that is just the curse i have never found one single soul to understand me Elerentime looking at him never borkman except one perhaps long long ago in the days when i did not think i needed understanding since then at any rate no one has understood me there has been no one alive enough to my needs to be afoot and rouse me to ring the morning bell for me to call me up to manful work anew and to impress upon me that i had done nothing inexpiable so after all you require to have that impressed on you from without yes when the whole world hisses in chorus that i have sunk never to rise again there come moments when i almost believe it myself but then my inmost assurance rises again triumphant and that acquits me why have you never come and asked me for what you call understanding what use would it have been to come to you mrs borkman with a gesture of repulsion you have never loved anything outside yourself that is the secret of the whole matter i have loved power yes power 
the power to create human happiness in wide wide circles around me you had once the power to make me happy have you used it to that end without looking at her someone must generally go down in a shipwreck and your own son have you used your power have you lived and labored to make him happy i do not know him no that is true you do not even know him you his mother have taken care of that mrs borkman looking at him with a lofty air oh you do not know what i have taken care of you yes i i alone then tell me i have taken care of your memory <sighs> my memory oh indeed it sounds almost as if i were dead already and so you are yes perhaps you are right but no no not yet i have been close to the verge of death but now i have awakened i have come to myself a whole life lies before me yet i can see it awaiting me radiant and quickening and you you shall see it too raising her hand never dream of life again lie quiet where you are gunhild gunhild how can you i will raise the monument over your grave the pillar of shame i suppose you mean oh no it shall be no pillar of metal or stone and no one shall be suffered to carve any scornful legend on the monument i shall raise there shall be as it were a quick-set hedge of trees and bushes close close around your tomb they shall hide away all the darkness that has been the eyes of men and the thoughts of men shall no longer dwell on john gabriel borkman and this labor of love you will perform not by my own strength i cannot think of that but i have brought up one to help me who shall live for this alone his life shall be so pure and high and bright that your burrowing in the dark shall be as though it had never been if it is Earhart you mean say so at once looking at him straight in the eyes yes it is Earhart, my son he whom you are ready to renounce in atonement for your own acts Borkman with a look toward ella in atonement for my blackest sin a sin towards a stranger only remember the sin towards me looking triumphantly at them both but he will not obey you when i cry out to him in my need he will come to me it is with me that he will remain with me and never with any one else suddenly listens and cries i hear him he is here he is here Earhart. Earhart Borkman hastily tears open the hall door and enters the room. He is wearing an overcoat and has his hat on. Mother, what in heaven's name? What do you want with me, mother? What has happened? Mrs. Borkman, stretching her arms towards him. I want to see you, Earhart. I want to have you with me always. Have me? Always? What, what do you mean by that? I will have you, I say. There is someone who wants to take you away from me. Recoiling a step. Ah, oh, so you know. Yes. Do you know it too? Surprised, looking at her. Do I know it? Yes, of course. Aha, so you have planned it all out, behind my back. Earhart, Earhart. Mother, tell me what it is you know. I know everything. I know that your aunt has come here to take you from me. Aunt Ella. Oh, listen to me a moment, Earhart. She wants me to give you up to her. She wants to stand in your mother's place to you, Earhart. She wants you to be her son and not mine from this time forward. 
She wants you to inherit everything from her, to renounce your own name and take hers instead. Aunt Ella, is this true? Yes, it is true. I knew nothing of this. Why do you want to have me with you again? Because I feel that I am losing you here. You are losing him to me, yes, and that is just as it should be. Erhart, I cannot afford to lose you, for I must tell you I am a lonely, dying woman. Dying? Yes, dying. Will you come and be with me to the end? Attach yourself wholly to me. Be to me as though you were my own child. And forsake your mother, and perhaps your mission in life as well. Will you, Erhart? I am condemned to death. Answer me, Erhart. Aunt Ella, you have been unspeakably good to me. With you I grew up in as perfect happiness as any boy can ever have known. Erhart, Erhart! Oh, how glad I am that you can still say that. But I cannot sacrifice myself to you now. It is not possible for me to devote myself wholly to taking a son's place towards you. Ah, I knew it. You shall not have him. You shall not have him, Ella. I see it. You have won him back. Yes, yes. Mine he is, and mine he shall remain. Erhart, say it is so, dear. We two have still a long way to go together, have we not? Mother, I may as well tell you plainly. What? I am afraid it is only a very little way you and I can go together. Mrs. Borkman stands as though thunderstruck. What do you mean by that? Good heavens, mother. I am young, after all. I feel as if the close air of this room must stifle me in the end. Close air? Here with me? Yes, here with you, mother. Then come with me, Erhart. Oh, Aunt Ella, it's not a whit better with you. It's different, but no better. No better for me. It smells of rose leaves and lavender there, too. It is as airless there as here. Shaken, but having recovered her composure with an effort. Airless in your mother's room, you say? Yes, I don't know how else to express it. All this morbid watchfulness and, and idealization, or whatever you like to call it, I can't endure it any longer. Have you forgotten what you have consecrated your life to, Erhart? Oh, say rather what you have consecrated my life to. You, you have been my will. You have never given me leave to have any of my own. But now I cannot bear this yoke any longer. I am young, remember that, mother. I cannot consecrate my life to making atonement for another, whoever that other may be. Who is it that has transformed you, Erhart? Who? Can you not conceive that it is I myself? No, no, no. You have come under some strange power. You are not in your mother's power any longer, nor in your... your foster mother's either. I am in my own power, mother, and working my own will. Borkman, advancing towards Erhart. Then perhaps my hour has come at last. How so? How do you mean, sir? Yes, you may well ask that. Listen, Erhart. Will you not cast in your lot with your father? It is not through any other man's life that a man who has fallen can be raised up again. These are only empty fables that have been told to you down here in the airless room. If you were to set yourself to live your life like all the saints together, it would be of no use whatever to me. That is very true indeed. 
yes it is and it would be of no use either if i should resign myself to wither away in abject penitence i have tried to feed myself upon hopes and dreams all through these years but i am not the man to be content with that and now i mean to have done with dreaming and what will what will you do sir i will work out my own redemption that is what i will do i will begin at the bottom again it is only through his present and his future that a man can atone for his past through work indefatigable work for all that in my youth seemed to give life its meaning and that now seems a thousand times greater than it did then Erhart, will you join with me and help me in this new life mrs borkman raising her hand warningly do not do it Erhart. yes yes do it oh help him Erhart. and you advise him to do that you the lonely dying woman i don't care about myself no so long as it is not i that take him from you precisely so gunhild will you Erhart? father i cannot now it is utterly impossible what do you want to do then i am young i want to live for once in a way as well as other people i want to live my own life you cannot give up two or three little months to brighten the close of a poor waning life i cannot aunt however much i may wish to not for the sake of one who loves you so dearly and your mother has no power over you either any more i will always love you mother but i cannot go on living for you alone this is no life for me then come and join with me after all for life life means work Erhart. come we two will go forth into life and work together yes but i don't want to work now for i am young that's what i never realized before but now the knowledge is tingling through every vein in my body i will not work i will only live 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 Erhart, what will you live for for happiness mother and where do you think you can find that i have found it already Erhart. Erhart goes quickly to the hall door and throws it open fanny you can come in now mrs wilton do you want me to yes now you can come in I have told them everything. Mrs. Wilton comes forward into the room. Erhart closes the door behind her. She bows formally to Borkman, who returns her bow in silence. So, the word has been spoken, and I suppose you all think I have brought a great calamity upon this house. You have crushed the last remnant of interest in life for me. But all of this... All this is utterly impossible. I can quite understand that it must appear impossible to you, Mrs. Borkman. Yes, you can surely see for yourself that it is impossible. Or what? I should rather say that it seems highly improbable, but it's so, nonetheless. Are you really in earnest about this, Erhart? This means happiness for me, mother. All the beauty and happiness of life. That is all I can say to you mrs borkman clenching her hands together to mrs wilton oh how you have cajoled and deluded my unhappy son mrs wilton raising her head proudly i have done nothing of the sort you have not say you no i have neither cajoled nor deluded him erhard came to me of his own free will 
and of my own free will I went out halfway to meet him. Mrs. Borkman, measuring her scornfully with her eye. Yes, indeed. That I can easily believe. Mrs. Borkman, there are forces in human life that you seem to know very little about. What forces, may I ask? The forces which ordain that two people shall join their lives together, indissolubly and fearlessly. I thought you were already indissolubly bound to another. That other has deserted me. But he is still living, they say. He is dead to me. Yes, mother, he is dead to Fanny. And besides, this other makes no difference to me. So you know all this about the other? Yes, mother, I know quite well all about it. And yet you can say that it makes no difference to you? I can only tell you that it is happiness I must have. I am young. I want to live, live, live. Yes, you are young, Earhart. Too young for this. You must not think, Mrs. Barkman, that I haven't said the same to him. I have laid my whole life before him. Again and again I have reminded him that I am seven years older than he. Oh, nonsense, Fanny. I knew that all the time. But nothing, nothing was of any use. Indeed, nothing. Then why did you not dismiss him without more ado? Close your door to him. You should have done that, and done it in time. I could not do that, Mrs. Bachman. Why could you not? Because for me, too, this means happiness. Hm. Happiness, happiness. I have never before known happiness in life. And I cannot possibly drive happiness away from me merely because it comes so late. And how long do you think this happiness will last? Whether it lasts or does not last, mother, it doesn't matter now blind boy that you are. Do you not see where all this is leading you? I don't want to look into the future. I don't want to look around me in any direction. I am only determined to live my own life, at last. And you call this life, Earhart? Don't you see how lovely she is? And I have to bear this load of shame as well. Borkman at the back, harshly and cuttingly. Oh, you are used to bearing things of that sort, Gunhild. Borkman! Father! Day after day I shall have to see my own son linked to a, a... You shall see nothing of the kind, Mother. You may make your mind easy on that point. I shall not remain here. We are going away, Mrs. Bachman. Are you going away, too? Together, no doubt. Yes, I am going abroad to the south. I am taking a young girl with me, and Earhart is going along with us. With you? And a young girl? Yes. It is little Frida Foldal whom I have had living with me. I want her to go abroad and get more instruction in music. So you are taking her with you? Yes, I can't well send her out into the world alone. What do you say to this, Earhart? Earhart, with some embarrassment, shrugging his shoulders. Well, mother, since Fanny will have it so. And when does this distinguished party set out, if one may ask? We are going at once. Tonight. My covered sledge is waiting on the road, outside the Hinkles. Mrs. Borkman looking her from head to foot. Aha! So that was what the party meant. Yes, Earhart and I were the whole party. And little Frida, of course. And where is she now? She is sitting in the sledge waiting for us. Mother, 
surely you can understand i would have spared you all this you and every one mrs borkman looks at him deeply pained you would have gone away from me without saying a good-bye yes i thought that would be best best for all of us the boxes were packed and everything settled but of course when you sent for me i holding out his hands to her good-bye mother mrs borkman with a gesture of repulsion don't touch me is that your last word yes good-bye to you then aunt ella ella rentheim pressing his hands good-bye erhardt and live your life and be as happy as happy as ever you can thanks aunt bowing to borkman good-bye father whispers to mrs wilton let us get away the sooner the better yes let us mrs borkman with a malignant smile mrs wilton do you think you are acting quite wisely in taking that girl with you mrs wilton returning the smile half ironically half seriously men are so unstable mrs borkman and women too when erhardt is done with me and i with him then it will be well for us both that he poor fellow should have some one to fall back upon but you yourself oh i shall know what to do i assure you good-bye to you all she bows and goes out by the hall door erhardt stands for a moment as though wavering then he turns and follows her dropping her folded hands childless borkman as though awakening to a resolution then out into the storm alone my hat my cloak he goes hastily towards the door ellerentheim in terror stopping him john gabriel where are you going out into the storm of life i tell you let me go ella holding him back no no i won't let you out you are ill i can see it in your face let me go i tell you he tears himself away from her and goes out by the hall Ellerentheim in the doorway. Help me to hold him, Gunhild. Mrs. Borkman, coldly and sharply, standing in the middle of the room. I will not try to hold anyone in all the world. Let them go away from me, both the one and the other, as far, as far as ever they please. Erhardt, don't leave me. She rushes with outstretched arms towards the door. Ellerentheim stops her. End of Act Three